podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Hello and welcome to Stop Hammer Time. My name is Phil Whelans and uh, it's an end of season Stop Hammer Time in which we have uh, two games to discuss, I believe, because we didn't do one last week. So we played Manchester United and Aston Villa in the interim. So here to discuss those two games are, uh, as always, Jim Grant. Good evening. Hello, Jim. Hiya. How's lockdown suiting you? Uh, yeah, still, still, yeah, well, really, to be good. honest. Good, yeah, good, good, good. Yep. Also with us, uh, a good friend of the podcast, it's Gary Killington. Good evening. Hello, Killer. Hi, how you doing? Uh, we've been in a little uh, Zoom uh, gang watching the games over the last uh, uh, three or four weeks, which has been uh, very enjoyable, very enjoyable. Uh, also with us, um, and possibly able to throw some light on the question of whether Bournemouth can actually sue Hawkeye, which is a camera system. Can a camera system be sued by a football club? Uh, is that possible? I think it should be possible. Here to clear that up, it's, of course, Simon Pentel. Good evening, everyone. Lovely to be back on this uh, final escapade of the season. Um, I'm sure, like everybody, much relieved that we managed to extricate ourselves from the mire that we otherwise put ourselves into. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the last game of the season, well, well, we finished with two draws, basically. A sort of well-earned draw against Manchester United, who were, you know, playing yeah. for playing for a Champions League place. And uh, and then a quite pretty boring one <laughs> draw against Aston Villa at the end of the season. Um, Gary, what did you make of yeah. those? Uh, well, uh, I thought the Man United game was a really good performance, really strong. We started a little bit nervy, but then we finished the first half strong. Um, we did exactly the same in the second half, really. It was just a shame that we uh, conceded what was an absolutely superb goal. And nobody yeah. really made a mistake for that goal. It just happened to us. They played through us. So it was it was superb. And then moving on to Villa on, on, on um, Sunday, I think on the Zoom call, we did more talking than watching the football. It was we rubbish, did. wasn't it? It yeah. was. It was a dull I, game, wasn't it? It was. But it was a sublime lob from Yarmolenko at the end, I thought. Oh, tremendous, tremendous. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's almost billiard-like the way he went in off, in off another player. Uh, yeah. You know, those, he cannoned it off Grealish into the... <laughs> that, kind of, uh, that kind of play might be the way to go with football, is uh, using another player as a surface to uh, rebound a shot off. Uh, it's, the, it's the way to, forward. Yeah, I think it is. Well, it Simon, does, what did you make of it all? It's the old adage, doesn't it? If you don't... Don't shoot, can't score. No, true. And um, again, I'm sorry to cliche it, but uh, as often with cliches, they're invariably true. Um, you know, however they go in, they go in. And it's yeah. the sort of, it's probably the, the, the best example of that type of goal, I think, that anyone could probably remember since um, Italia 90 and the deflection that came off Paul Parker and uh, looped over Peter Shilton. I think it was very reminiscent of that. Yes, yes, but, it was. Um, yeah. was. That was rather crushing. Um, and I couldn't help but smirk on Sunday afternoon as it woke me from my um, torpor, um, yeah. like all of you, um, doing my best to stay awake in what was just the most seriously um, boring 90 minutes I can remember sitting through for a long time. It was tedious, wasn't it? Uh, interesting, because <laughs> it was a sort of ageing goalkeeper failing to deal with a ball looping over him, like Shilton, and yeah. like, C like David Seaman with that Ronaldinho. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, England at the time should have probably been seeking a Seaman replacement at that particular time, and uh, but they kept David Seaman in there and he didn't get to that Ronaldinho <laughs> shot. Same with um, uh, Shilton and uh, that shot in uh, Italia 90. I can, just imagine, course, I can just imagine that being the headline the next day, England seek a Seaman re replacement. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a boring game, wasn't it? It was... Um, they... In, I think we sort of expected Aston Villa to really go for it because of what was at stake. But they almost played a traditional 
away team's performance, which was to sit back and, and wait to see what we did. Uh, yeah. Well, they, they did. They did. But I think that whatever the TV commentary was saying, I think they actually played to what was going on elsewhere. I felt they were. I felt they were nervy and very much there for the taking. And we created the best chance of the game, and Antonio didn't take it. Uh, I, yeah. I think if we'd have gone one nil up, it might well have been a bit of a you know cakewalk. To be honest, the way we were playing, we we knocked the ball around. We weren't you know busting a gut where we didn't have to in a way. No. Um, and I, I agree with you, Phil. I think they were they were curiously. You know, not at it um, uh, in the first half, anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think you might be right, Simon. Yeah, they might well have had, you know, a cautious eye on what was going on. Yeah. It was interesting. I mean, some of these games under David Moyes that we played very well in, we've had a very low um, percentage of possession, and and that that the it's been a vogue of the last couple of years that. Um, um, you've heard it said quite a lot that, that it's not all about possession, you know, uh, and a team can win a game with uh, the minority of, of possession. We had a lot of possession on Sunday, uh, uncharacteristically, for the last nine games. Um, and, yeah, they, it was like they sort yeah. of sat back and just waited to see we what did, we did. We did. We didn't really go anywhere with it, though, did we? We, we no. sat quite deep. They just sat off of us. Both teams seemed quite contemporary draw i'm not so sure they would have played it that you know as risky as that to wait and hear the other results but maybe you're right um seems like a, a very risky approach to me because they could have they could have gone down couldn't they well, you know yeah. if, we'd, if, if we'd have beaten them they were relegated well, well it was tied with those bottom point team. that's the yeah. point I mean, they were they were always look they started in the box seat and yeah. um if you you know taking a sensible approach um i think they just wanted to make sure at first they didn't do anything silly and um, obviously would have known at half time that um, Watford were getting beaten at um, the arse. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and Everton, I think, might have been leading at, at uh, Bournemouth might have been leading at Everton. And so yeah, they, yeah. all they had to do was keep it relatively tight. And I have to say that the one thing that troubled me more than anything about the game was, um, I thought, I mean, Fabianski went back to Flappy Hansky, as they used to call him in the yeah. last days, yeah. which was just really shocking. Um, do, do you certainly know what you expect. Do you think that Fabianski has been the same post-injury? Because I, I don't. I don't think he's quite come back. I agree back. with you. I agree with uh, you definitely not. And I think, I, think he's a, I think it's a worry, because um, Randolph, we know, is not really good enough to be a first-team regular. Um, he is just a proper backup off the bench, yep. isn't he? Yep. Um, yeah. So there's no real competition for Fabianski. For for I think we need a goalkeeper, and and, and I'm not sure the funds and the pri- you know the priorities are clearly for fullbacks, and uh, yeah. we need a striker. But um, I I would be looking to sign a sign a keeper. I, I'm so, not. I, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure they will get out the money to spend on a decent keeper. I think they tend to. They like spending on flair players and midfielders and strikers. Uh, they don't like spending on defenders so much and goalkeepers. I mean, look what happened last year. They took the first opportunity to cash in on Adrian or Adrian, and then buy in the cheapest replacement they could with Roberto. And look at that. But that virtually got us relegated. Well, yeah. Oh, totally. And you've just got to hope that somehow Moyes is going to is going to change the culture in in that respect. I think he's up against it, but um, I'm sure he will want to, you know, um, yeah. buy younger players, identify the the, the the key priority areas. I mean, they are notoriously stingy when it comes to fullbacks. Yeah, and that that has been, you know, we know we've been banging on about central midfield for a long time, and Moyes has addressed that through Suchek. Yeah, uh, but but fullback is the other area we've been looking. You know, we've been hanging on, and you know, hand to mouth, it's been really, hasn't it? For yeah, for, for good. Well, see. I have to say, I think that definitely you, you can't um, judge a book by um, its cover of three of three performances. But um, Ben Johnson does look does look like he could be the real deal. Yes, yeah, yes. agreed, agreed. Yeah, I agree. His performance at Old Trafford was simply outstanding because. Um, over there, you know, he really did have the doubling up on his side of Rashford and uh, Martial. Yeah. And I thought he coped admirably. And in fact, I think in many respects, 
um, that was probably um, our best performance um, of the season, certainly in lockdown. I know the Chelsea game at home was fantastic, but I think as an all-round performance, I think that was probably the best. You know, we, we weathered yeah. in the first well, 15 terrific. and then we controlled the game and we, we played yeah. really ably and, and smartly and we pressed and we countered with efficiency yeah. and with venom. Um, it was almost unrecognisable from what you'd normally expect from, from the idiots in the claret blue shirts. But um, it was, I thought, uh, really uplifting. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of that was down down to Ben Johnson. But I think the elephant in the room, I'm afraid, um, is, is Declan Rice, because I, I'd be astonished if we see him back. Um, in a claret and blue shirt next season. I really would, really? I'm afraid to say. I don't want to be defeated yeah. about it. Um, and, if he, and if we manage to get another season out of him, that's all it's going to be. Because, I... you know, he played... Look, I mean, the bottom line is he played 38 Premier League games the, the season. He played every single Premier League game. He played every single minute of every Premier League game. Yeah. He's the one of only, I think, about six players who played every single minute, bearing in mind there are five substitutes available in lockdown, in lockdown, mm. um, quite um, out at restart after lockdown, which is quite remarkable. It shows his immense value to the team. And he's going to become, if not already, but he's going to be on the verge of being the best defensive midfield player in, in the English Premier League. And I don't know how you replace that. Yeah, you, you can't really replace him. But one thing that really worried me today is I keep my eye on the football news. And um, one thing exactly, you know, I expect him to go as well, uh, even though I'm, I think we might hold on to him for one more year if they give him the captaincy and they give him a huge pay rise. But apparently, they're not even looking at his pay until Christmas, which is just the wrong message to send out. But who's that guy? Who's that guy at Newcastle who's being compared to Declan Rice? Um, you remember? The ginger fellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, yeah. we're in, apparently, and this is only a tenuous link, right? But apparently, we're in for him. And if we're in for him, that, that means only one thing. That means that uh, Declan Rice is on his way. Well, I think Declan Rice is going to be on his way. Look, you know, Declan Rice is is cement subject to an incredible injury, and he's proved that he doesn't. He's not injuries. He's not injury struck yeah. um, um, like one of our players. Number one. Number two. Um, he, if his form continues, he is he is absolutely a starter for the national team for the next six to eight years. No one else plays in that position that he does with elegance and precision and and thought. Um, he's he's an all round top quality footballer, and he's going to go. I mean, there's no question about it. I, I think it's pretty obvious. And if I were he, um, would you rather be playing in Champions League next season? Or would you want to be a struggling team? Um, however much he's adored and loved, you know this is the reality of 2020. We're not back. It's not, this is not this is not 1970. This is 2020. And yeah. you know the people who have the stewardship of our club really need to get their bloody brains around all of that. And I don't think they're going to be able to do it. But I think you know the way. The only way you can do it is you have to sit him down and say, okay, the captaincy, big deal, but we'll give you 150 bags a week, which is an extraordinary amount of money, but that's what it'll get elsewhere. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to build a team around you. We're going to buy, we're going to bring in three or four quality footballers. Give it a go and and hold us to our word. But then, of course, you have to deliver. Yeah. Um, that's but the only way you can do it. Yeah. It's not yeah. going to happen, though. It's not going to happen. They're not going to give him the pay rise until Christmas. So by then, he'll probably be gone. And um, they're not going to build a team around him. They're just going to, you know, make do and mend with whatever David Moyes can pick up on the cheap, I think. I, I'm afraid to say I think you're right. And I don't want to start, you know, we're, we're only early into the podcast. But, uh, I mean, reverting back to my favourite topic, and I'm pretty sure most people's, and that is the failure of executive management. Because we all know that finances and, and revenue streams are hugely depressed as a result of, of COVID-19, and they're going to be significantly um, depressed next season because the season's going to start behind closed doors and it's going to be a, a general drift into attendances. And, of course, there's the rebate um, of, the, of the television review on the deal, with, um, with, on the, deal with, the, with the Premier League. All that said, however, um, you know, there's one very simple way, if you have, a, if you have owners that are minded to do it, is that, is that you just chuck in 200 million quid or thereabouts, even 100 million, as a director's loan and say, right, we're going to fund it. And it's a question yeah. of desire. It's not a question of ability. 
um, or financial ability. It's just a question of desire. And that's what sets Roman Abramovich apart from most other owners, as he did this time last season with Chelsea. He, he took out a director's loan for another £200 million and kept them afloat financially. That's why they're having the big spend now. Yeah. And, and it separates the men from the boys, I'm afraid to say. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it would seem a shame to um, finally be in a position to uh, let the incumbent manager uh, have a sort of full closed season to look for players and try and acquire uh, new talent. But we now have this uh, very short, very truncated uh, um, summer uh, break. Uh, and that's why it's sort of more important, you know, as you say, Simon, it would be great if the owners really did just uh, uh, bust the gut to try and do the absolute best job they can in this sort of short period. Because it feels like, you know, there's the potential for it to be another kick bollock scramble, you know, d deadline day signings and loans, you know. Yeah, I think, I think it will be. Look, the simple reality is for most, club, most clubs, it's going to be like that. Um, because of the financial problems that affect the entire football pyramid. But, mm. um, you know, it, it's not... You're going to get thrown at you. Um, you know, there are lies, damn lies, and then there, are then there are the statistics. And the statistics that are going to be thrown at you, firstly, is going to be FFP. Well, there's going to be a huge relaxation of FFP due to COVID-19. It's not going to be enforced as rigorously as it was. So you can actually make... Um, certain finances available and you can justify it. You're not going to be penalised for it, number one. And number two, what you're going to hear is from the executive management, well, we've got to get rid of all these Pellegrini failed signings. Well, unfortunately, yeah. you know, they can't divorce their responsibility from appointing him in the first place. They can't avoid their responsibility for appointing as the um, technical director or whatever term that was given, um, Pellegrini's best mate, which is just the most stupid thing uh, in the world to ever do. And you can't get away from the responsibility of the fact that when we started last season, whatever the, ver the various strengths of these players, we got rid of, we lost three forward players. We, we, yeah. we ditched them. And we went into the season with an untried and untested £45 million signing who'd never kicked a football yep. in the Premier League, who everyone yep. who knew anything knew, knows the plays in a two and not alone up front. And we reinforced that with someone no one in football had ever heard of. Yeah, um, yeah. We've never kicked a ball in any sense of the league in world football. And that and that's how we were going to compete for the season. I mean, that's just frightening. And it's, uh, it's just I totally agree. I totally agree. Although I think actually at the time people were excited about the start of the season and it looked as yeah. we we'd done. I can remember Simon, you and I having a conversation about it, um, you know, at the black line before the season started, yeah. feeling very buoyed because it looked on paper as though some of the things that needed to be addressed had been addressed. And but listen, Jim, um, I agree. I accept it. I, listen, this time last year, I actually thought that we could be in for a really fantastic season. But that's because, um, like I think most other people who, who felt the same way, there was an assumption that um, Lanzini would return to something like his best. There was an yeah. assumption that Felipe Anderson would maintain yeah. that he had yeah. in, in season one. There was an assumption that Yamo would be fit. Um, yeah. There was there a was hope, not an assumption, a hope that somehow... Um, dear old Jack might actually play some games. Yeah. Um, and mm. no one foresaw that Fabianski um, would would miss the greater part of the season to be replaced yeah. by a complete clown with no yeah. arms, no legs. Yeah. And uh, Balbuena's oh, yeah. form fell off a cliff as well. You know, a couple of those, yeah, yeah, did, did, a couple did. of those games um, mm. uh, when the partnership was Diop and Balbuena, as it had been for a portion of last season where they played really well together, suddenly Balbuena looked unfit, unready for the start of the season. And there was some, you know, was possibly not responsible for some of our losses because they sort of coincided with Roberto. Uh, but, you know, certainly wasn't helping because he was not the Balbuena we saw last year and still isn't. So... Um, you know, it was. We were talking. I mean, even uh, before the recommencement of the league, we were sort of saying, I, you know, I'm looking forward to this. We were. We had some really good form before COVID nineteen here, and we've got a really strong squad. But basically, yeah. these last nine games, 
the first 11 has just picked itself because the bench is shit. You know, Felipe yeah. Anderson just shouldn't, looks like he shouldn't really run onto a football pitch. I mean, I'm sure yeah, he'll, but, he'll go and play you've in Spain give, or. You, you've got to give Moyes credit, though, for dropping all of those players because That's, had Pellegrini yeah, stayed, had he stayed, you know very full well that Haller would have started up front every game, Anderson would have been on the left, Lanzini would have been in the middle. He'd have played all the stars and mixed them all up and we would have got roundly relegated. So well, I really I, admire I am, David Moyes' steal. Well, yeah, I know you are. No, yeah. yeah, look, I mean, although it's quite interesting that I think... Um, that they both actually managed the club for the same number of matches this season. Mm. And the points differential was one more in favour of Moyes than it was in Pellegrini. So there ain't that much difference. Yeah, there, much there, there, is, there, is, there is a difference though, Simon. There's one key difference, right? Nine, so, so 19 played 19 points for Pellegrini. 19 played 20 points for Moyes. Big difference is Pellegrini only paid five of the top six, whereas Moyes had to play Liverpool twice. So he played seven of the top six, right? Seven yeah. games against the top six. So that was quite a big difference. And also, if you look at the the goal difference, it was minus twelve for Pellegrini, only minus two for Moyes. So significant improvement I'm not, against I'm not, tougher sides. Yeah, I'm not, I don't think... I'm not making a case against him. I'm just saying that yeah. I'm getting carried away. Look, I, I put my cards yeah. on the table. I'm, I've never, as as both Phil and Jim will will, will attest. Because we did the podcast when Moyes got appointed um, a few years ago, and um, Jim, I remember, wrote that fantastic ode to Slaven and, and the fact that he'd been replaced by David Moyes. We're all, we're all one step away of trying to mimic Gary Speed in our garages if we had garages. But no, in yeah. all seriousness, he's not my choice. However, I'm a, I'm a realist and um, I'm a pragmatist, and in the circumstances, there's no option. I think there is a future option for the manager of West Ham. I think it's pretty bloody obvious. But mm. right here, right now, I think we have no option. And he's got to be given next season and maybe a two-year contract and we can decide what happens this time next year. But yeah. I, I really don't think it matters who the manager is when the clowns that sit above him continue it, to sit above him. And I'm going to say that's the problem. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's absolutely the issue. I would agree, though, that, that there is a difference between, you know, there's a big difference between having a full pre-season with the, with, with the players starting with a blank sheet of paper in, in, in August um, with those signings and so on and picking up the team, picking up the pieces of, a, you know, the mess that uh, Moyes had to come in and pick up. I think it makes a massive yeah. difference. He had, he had to pull yeah. a, a demoralised... Yeah doomed to relegation team uh, and he also worked, he's worked at the evidence is in front of you isn't it he's worked out who the workers and who the shirkers are and um, yeah, you know, yeah. He's, he's, he's ditched the fancy dance and he's brought in two key signings yep uh, I agree to check He's got a. He's got. A, he's got um, getting a tune out of Antonio in much the same way as he did a get out of Arnautovic. Yep. Um, yeah. Although different sort of circumstances, different pieces of man management involved. I. I would have thought. Um, so on the whole, you know, the evidence in, in front of you suggests that he's absolutely worth sticking with him. Yeah. Well, he's done. I don't. Given, uh, given, <laughs> given the right backing, he. He. He might. You know. Who knows? He might. He might. I've, I'm. i not. You know. I wouldn't predict anything. But who knows? He might be able to build something. Um, well, there was quite said, a big right, Twitter. Sorry, gone. Well, I'm just saying because coming back, just picking up on on the rice thing. Um, I don't know whether I'm just inspired eternal optimism. Or I've got a. I've just got a sneaky feeling rice will stay for next season, um, for oh, all sorry. kinds of different circumstances. Um, and I think I think if we sell him, it will be because purely because of uh, you know the greed of the uh, and short sightedness of the owners and 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 for no other good reason at all. There are times when I think you have to cash in on your big assets when they're saleable, but he's only twenty one. Um, yeah, we will get big money for him down the line. He's under long term contract. We've got other saleable assets. We've got other players who you'll get a fee for. At one level or another, that we we would be happy to see move on. So there's no, you know, if we have to um, uh, sell to buy, there are other assets we because we, we don't yeah. need to sell out. Kind of keep out. It would be the most yeah. disastrous signal to the club. To, it would be basically a massive two fingers up to everybody, wouldn't it? If and and it the would. rug it would. completely yeah. under Moise's feet. 
I agree. I just think, I agree. I, 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 I hope you're right. Toxic if you get soft, you know. I, I, well, Jim, I, I, I really desperately hope you're right. Unfortunately, what I, I just fear is, is, is the reality of football. And I think the only club he'd leave us for is Chelsea. And, you know, Champions League, it's Frank Lampard. His best friend in football is there. It's the team his whole family supports, yeah. the team he supports. Yeah, no, no, yeah, I mean, right. you know, it's a huge <clears throat> magnet, isn't it? Um, yeah. And we can't delude ourselves that it's anything other than that, I'm afraid. No, and I, 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 I'm not. It's going to be next. So we're going to have to bite that particular bullet. The problem is that, as I said beforehand, I actually think that in, in Premier League terms, he is the best, probably the best player in that position in the Premier League. Forget just in England. I can't actually think he's better than Jordan Henderson in doing that. Yeah. United don't have a player that can do that. That's man. City don't have a player that can do that. And nor do Chelsea, which is why Ooh. clearly they're interested, even if they play yeah. in the four. Um, but as we've so been, that tells you everything you need to know about this guy's is 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 his 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 trail is only in the ascendant. It's going nowhere else, subject to form and fitness. And he has proved in the last two years that neither of those seem to be a hindrance. But there are things that they can do. We've already discussed it. There are things that they can do and should do to keep him for a year. And I, for one, I don't let West Ham piss me off you know, too easily. But that, if they let him go without a fight, you know, without tr without absolutely trying... You know, if they offered him 150 grand a week, they offered him the captaincy, they'd done the right things and, you know, said the things you said earlier, like, we'll build a team around you. If they did that, if they gave that a try and he still wanted to leave, I'd be fine. I'd be happy with that. If you want to yeah. go, you want to go. But if they don't gonna try, do I'm going to be... Yeah, I know, That's I know. The They're never going to do that because if you trace their whole history and football ownership back to their... When they first... And got mm. into uh, at Birmingham. Um, they, they've never done that. Their short termism. That, that's mm. that's what guides them. They're opportunists, and they're short. And they they operate on a short term view. They've never yeah. had. They've never had a vision. They've never had any um, plan that's that's entirely visible. Remember, this is ten years now. You know, mm -hmm. strangling the life out of our team. Um, it's 10 years, and we are, in real terms, no further forward on the playing side of it than we were when these clowns took over. And what was the first thing they did? They got rid of Gianfranco Zola and replaced him with an absolute walking <laughs> fucking disaster. Yeah, that was... I know, uh, that, I know. You can't learn from that. Yeah. I mean... The worst decision you know, ever. As, as, as the kids now say, FFS... Um, yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, but they got rid of Zola after, a, well, you know, a season in which we uh, we did even worse than we did this season. You know? Yeah, we were lucky yeah. to stay up yeah. on yeah. points. Very, we stayed up yeah. on 35 points. Yeah, yeah. we did. You know, yeah. It's the replacement rather than the sacking of Zola that is the issue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's what Simon's saying, though. It was like, you know, I, I don't think anyone's heart leapt when they appointed uh, Abraham Grant <laughs> because he just felt like a kind of workman-like, you know... Uh, sort of jobbing Mike Bassett type manager that all of his success had been achieved with a national team and then as caretaker of a team bankrolled by an yeah. oligarch murderer. Don't hold back, will you? A team that proved by winning the Champions League in 2012 that they didn't even need a manager. Um, no, because when you've right. got a when you've got a spine that consisted of Czech and of Terry and of Lampard and of Drogba and you've got the best left back of football, um, yeah. you don't need a manager. They can pretty much play themselves. What, yeah. you know, what are you going to do? Teach John Terry how to how to uh, marshal a back four, or teach Frank Lampard how to score a goal from midfield, or Didier yeah. Drogba to be the yeah. best hold up centre forward in the world? Don't be stupid. No. You know any of us no, do that. Yeah. They made a they made a crappy decision the board, and I think they've excelled themselves today again with the uh, season tickets. I don't know if you've seen oh, yeah. how no, that, how well, that renewal does. Well, um, uh, basically, what they've done is what I expected because they, if you look at their finances, they always uh, look for a cash injection at this time of year to aid the cash flow. So, so basically, they the first thing this morning emails came in. You had two options: you could either fully renew 
even though there's no games yet, you could renew. So you're basically giving the club an interest-free loan, and then they will pay you back in club cash as you don't attend games, mm, right? right? And that and that will entitle you to be entered into a ballot to see games from October when they they let a fraction of people into the ground. And option two was to renew, and if you're worried about COVID, transfer the ticket to someone else for a season, and they can be in the ballot. So that was the only two options this morning. You had to pay in full, basically give the club an interest-free loan, which incidentally I did because I want to move seat, but that's not, none the wiser. It went absolutely ballistic on Twitter and all over social media. People were furious. And then later in the day, they revised. They had an option, they added an option three. Option three was you can pay 30% up front and they'll hold your ticket for next season, but you won't be included in the ballot. And the good news about that is, which actually should have been in there in the first place, you've already got 25% in your club cash account. Right. So that will cost 5% to reserve your ticket for a year. So that's the option that should have been on there in the start. But it is always proactive clearing up the mess. Sorry, reactive clearing up the mess. They never get it right before they send it out. You know, who checks these things? I don't know. I mean... No. Well, well they're geysters and they're trying... They, they get away with what they can get away with, don't they? They push, they push... Yeah. You know, they don't... They don't uh, they don't think with genuine concern for fans and supporters and whatever in mind. They, no. uh, that's how they've conducted. They come from the dodgier end of the business world, don't they, frankly? And <laughs> slightly. They've conducted business clearly all their, you know, all their business lives, you know. So. Well, I, mean, yeah. I think, I think yeah. what sets, what, what really defines them is when they, when they took over Birmingham, they appointed Barry Fry as their manager. It was the first big decision they made. And Barry Fry stood in front of the, the nation's media and said, I, I make a promise that I will take us out of this division by the end of the season. He did. He got them relegated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Took them the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. So, um... Um, there, there have been some rumours of little bits of uh, transfer business uh, over this um, uh, the close season. Um, it's quite quite spotty bits of uh, um, information. I mean, but basically, it sounds like they're they're going to listen to offers for a few players. Uh, Anderson, mercifully, um, Lanzini, sadly, uh, a Jetty, very pleasingly. Um, yeah. <laughs> And it seemed like they, um, there was a sort of rumour today that uh, Southampton are interested in Fredericks or might be interested in Fredericks as part of a kind of deal. Uh, there's someone at Southampton that we, we'd like to acquire. Yeah. Well, the goalkeeper, yeah. I'll take the goalkeeper. Other than that, all yeah. Danny Ings. But beyond that, no thanks. Yeah, Actually, I think we should buy... Sorry, sorry, go on. I think we should buy Burnley's Burnley's backup keeper. But I think the, the news about Fredericks is welcome for me because I think he's not he's just not a great defender. Positionally he's he's awful. Now we've watched him in a couple of good games. Last year, Tottenham and Liverpool, we watched him, yeah. he performed absolutely brilliantly. Um, used his pace to well, didn't really get into trouble, but whenever what their pacey players tried to strip him, he was he, he was, you know, he'd give them a two yard start and he'd still catch up and pass them. When he when he has a good day, he's very good. He has too many off days. And when he has an off day, my God, he's awful. And um, he's been getting, you know, regularly. If if you look at, if you look at the performances uh, lately, he's been. It hasn't looked to the naked eye that bad. But when you watch it back and you watch some of the uh, the goals that we've conceded due to him being out of position, um, 
awful. We can't have that, and we can't have Cresswell over the other side. So this goes back to what Jim said earlier about fullbacks. Yes. Yeah, Jim. Oh, totally. I would say I would say I agree with that, Gary. I agree that he's not the greatest defender, um, but I think he's been most disappointing as an attacking threat because he has got pace to burn. But I don't feel he's a good enough footballer in an attacking sense for me. Um, no, he doesn't. He doesn't have a cross. Touch lets him down. And uh, and his crossing as well is not is is not great. And I I think you know you, it's it's the probably in the modern game it's probably the most challenging position of all now fullback, isn't it? You you yeah. look at the way that the top teams are using them. They they are like wing backs except they're not they're, they've got two central defenders instead of three, and they yeah. are expected to create things. They are expected to assist. They are expected to get up and down. So you need an athlete, but you also need a footballer. And I think he's an athlete, but not a footballer. That's, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. The, you know, it's a testament to that kind of um, uh, change of formation that kind of you really don't see many traditional wingers anymore. You know, like Manchester United who used to have your sort of Keith Gillespie and Poborski and Giggs and stuff like that. You just don't see traditional wingers anymore. Those, um, you know, those nippy... Guys, they're now more a kind of the idea is they're sort of part of a front three or something, you know, like Jared yeah. Bowen. You know, he's not a traditional winger because he's got a little bit more to his game than 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 a winger that's just basically going to run up and down the flanks and put good crosses in. Um, and uh, you know, it's strange. I mean, pace is really valued now. You know, like I've said many times when we saw when I saw Triori at Middlesbrough, I sort of thought. Blimey, that guy would be handy for almost any team because he runs really fast, and we haven't really seen that for a long time in, in the division. It's scary. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's the same guy at Newcastle, who, um, whose name I've forgotten, um, hmm. absolutely terrorised us. Sam Maximan. Yeah, who, I mean, who I, I, I agree, obviously, that um, in, a, in a masterstroke, Pellegrini decided to play the obvious <laughs> Premier League yeah. against him. Extraordinary, wasn't it? Which yeah. was... Um, yeah. Which was a bit of a shame, really, and it was quite embarrassing. But um, you know, so these guys do exist. But the point about the fullback position is that Trent Alexander Arnold has has reinvented that position, yeah, yeah. and he set the bar so high that I think that all all fullbacks, particularly on the right hand side, are judged by that. And and unfortunately, very few are gonna are gonna reach that level. Um, he set it so high. But we, we know we need two fullbacks, but we need so many players, and I don't know where. I don't know what the yeah. scouting is. I don't know where they're going to get them. They clearly exist because what, and I will give Moyes huge credit for this, um, yeah. he made, the, the two signings he made in, in, in January were pivotal to our survival. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, we, we yeah. signed the nearest thing probably any of us have seen to Mad Dog Martin Allen um, in, in the middle of the midfield, and yeah. we signed uh, a, a wide a wide forward who actually works his socks off yeah. and, and covers his fullback, which they need to do nowadays. That is the modern way of the front player. You got to cover your fullback. He does that. I mean, the energy he has brought to the right hand yeah, side yeah, is quite yeah. remarkable. So. There plainly are players out there. It's whether or not they can actually um, take their fishing rod and and pull out, um, or you know, or catch four or the four or five that we plainly need yeah. if we're going to have anything resembling a half decent season yeah. next season. I think I think there's there's only a few uh, first choice players that we need to sign. I think if you look at the fullbacks, I think we need somebody to replace Cresswell, and Cresswell can go and sit. Mm. You know, on the bench, uh, yeah. at right at right back, we've got a first choice in Johnson. We need a backup right back. You know, and then if you look up front, I think we've got two strikers now in Haller and Antonio. We need a third decent striker yeah. to sit on the bench. Yeah, so we don't need to go out and buy the you know the first team yeah. players. A lot of them are are backup just to make sure we've got a good enough squad for when the first team goes bandy. Like you want does. someone who can step into the first eleven because you need competition for places. You don't. Yeah. You know you. You want you want uh, you know um, players to know that if they if they don't put the effort in and if they uh, drop off, then there's somebody who's desperate to take their place and good enough. Yeah, you know, we, we you've got to try and build a squad on that on that basis. I think. While, whilst we're just on the fullback, just I want to put in a word for Cresswell because 
he's a different kettle of fish to Fredericks in the sense that he has been a good servant to the club. Yeah, he's been yeah. a decent traditional left back in his time. Um, he never ever properly recovered from having his his leg, you know, yep. mangled Agreed. by the. And that I agree. I agree. And he's lost that bit of pace, but he still puts in wholehearted performances. You know, and and um, yeah. I, I think he's. You know, that you're absolutely right. He, he it's time to shift him down to either he's going to go to a championship club or or, or second choice. He'll be decent backup. But we yeah. do need left back. Well, um, yeah, Everton are hanging on to Leighton Baines. No, aren't I, think they? Leighton... I think he's retired, hasn't he? I think he's no, chucked in the towel. He played the other day, Leighton Baines. Yeah, but I think yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I'm just talking yeah. about they have hung on to Leighton Baines. I'm sorry, yeah. Who they must have had for a decade. I yeah. mean, Leighton Baines must be 32, 33 or something. No, I think but he's 35. He, but he's been playing this season, you know. So we could hang on to Cresswell. For a start, Cresswell's fantastic with a dead ball, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's got think, a, quite a good shot. He's quite a good goal scorer. I mean, I happen to think, although we annihilated them a couple of weeks ago, I thought that the Norwich fullbacks seemed half decent. I know it seems um, to be a contradiction for a team that yeah. uses 4 0 at home, but I actually thought that they, look, they looked half decent. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you, you've got to look at the teams that have got relegated and some of the teams in the championship. And I'm sure that. Um, with, with the right coaching and support, you can turn these players into into good enough Premier League footballers without being yeah. ever being superstars. Well, and uh, that's um, I mean that's part of the kind of philosophy of uh, what uh, you know. This is projection on the part of some journalists. I think that what Moyes wants is people who have something to prove at this level, which is what yeah. you know. Uh, Bowen is, and in a way what Suchek is, because the Premier League is watched all over the world and, you know, the the, the reputation of this, you know, former um, Czech footballer of the year from, from Sparta Prague, um, you know, he's going to be on a lot more TV screens playing in the Premier League and I think, you know, whether this is a stepping stone for Suchek, um, you know, I've, you know, while he's here, he's going to do a good job for us, I think. And, and yeah. I think, you know, there are players that doubtless can step up from the championship to this level and uh, um, have something to prove. One of those, of course, being Grady Diangana, who we already own. And, interesting, uh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. He, he, um, I've been watching him for a few games with West Brom, and um, I, I think he, he looks fantastic for them. He, get, he, get, he gets a lot of attention in terms of, uh, players around him in in the championship, so he's he's heavily marked. They know he's a danger. He seems to be able to pick his way through, you know, very uh, small spaces. They don't get shut. The teams in the championship don't get shut down in the same way the no. teams in the Premier League do. However, he was getting shut down like teams in the Premier League do. They were paying attention to him, but there is obviously a lower quality of player in the championship. So 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 we'll see how it goes. But. I've, Got quite high hopes for him. I, I liked him first time around, but yeah, playing, playing him on the left, cutting inside, that seems to be the right place for him. And I, I think we'll probably get more value out of him than Anderson. Oh, well, God, yes. Shadow. I think yeah. the, other, the other issue is what's going to happen to Jordan Hugel. And that, that was a Moyes signing yeah. uh, and overseen by um, the pornographers. And, um, you know, Whatever, whatever the upfront payment was, I don't know whether or not they can use him in some sort of make weight to get um, this young kid Eze in. I, yeah. I, I don't know if that's a likelihood, although I know that <coughs> today was all, all talking about Eze going to Palace. But, you know, again, he's an untried and untested kid who's going to be making a, a huge step up. Um, it's all very well, you know, playing, yeah. very well have the talent, but you just don't know, do you? I'll tell you what worries me about that, uh, Simon, is um, if you collect too many championship players in one team, you end up with a championship team, you know? Um, so it's all right changing out ones and twos, but Dean Garner yet, for instance, is not a Premier League player. He's a very good championship player. So bring him up, let him bed in, and hopefully he'll come good. If you're going to throw Eze in at the same time, then you've got Bowen, who's just come into the Premier League, who's doing really well, but he's surrounded by good players. So yeah. he's going to do. We're surrounded yeah. by Rice and Suchek and people like that. If yeah. you start weakening the team, diluting it down in quality with championship players, 
I'm all in favour of picking, of cherry picking the odd one or two here and there, but you shouldn't be swapping out the whole team for Champions League. Yeah. I, I was never, I was never, Gary, I was never suggesting that. I, yeah. I, the point I'm making is that there are clearly, from the um, Championship, or, you know, there are good players out there who can step up. The definitely, definitely. The right ones. And yeah. when you get them, um, buffing them up sufficiently to make sure that they can perform at a higher level. Whether or not we have the wherewithal to do that, I don't know. Um, but, you know, the, the simple truth is that there, there are going to be a, a number of players who are going to be looking for clubs, a number of clubs who are going to have to cash in. And um, it's a very, very unusual window this summer. Um, it's, as you say, Phil, it's truncated to six weeks, effectively, with the season starting on September the 12th. Um, people are going to have to get their bloody skates on. And yep. um, the other issue for us, of course, is, you know, we talk about Declan Rice. And um, although I know he's much decried, but um, 502 games later... Um, Mark Noble's legs ain't, ain't going to carry him through another full season in the no, Premier no, League. No, no, no. He gives no. us something very good. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good point. About, I, I think in, in, in these lockdown games, we've seen sort of the best and the worst of Noble, haven't we? I, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, at times he's been sublime with, with this, you know, the part, the range of passing that he has, but and and just the kind of the kind of leadership on the field. But in that Villa game, coming back to that and the slowness of it, so much of the slowness of our play against Villa was to do with him sitting on the ball for ages and sort of going around in circles and waiting for the perfect pass. And he does slow us down as an attack when we have the yeah. ball a lot. Yeah, he does. So, you know, we're not playing naturally on the count. He slows us down. I wonder what you think about Fornals because I, 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 I like Fornals and I think he's... He's a better player than a lot of people have given him credit for, and he's done better mm. things this season at times than yeah. people have given him credit for. Um, I, I'd quite like to see him played more centrally in that he's technically good, and he's and he gets about. He's got an engine. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Quick, but but, um, but you know but, he, but, pass and he moves the ball quickly. He's yeah, a, and he he, he can play a good pass. He can play a beautiful pass. I, I I think he I think he is um, the noble successor. So um, he, he is uh, only he can play in a slightly more advanced role to Noble. He can play in the number ten role, which Noble's been you know played in occasionally, or he's been played in a more advanced role occasionally. But with um, Suchek and Rice as the two behind him, I think Fournals would be superb. I think he'd, he'd add that little dimension. I think he's wasted a little bit out on the left. He gets through a load of work, but he doesn't get to um, do what he's good at, and that is find that killer pass. Um, I, yeah. I, I think he'd flourish in there. I think when we had, uh, you know, we, ha we had some very good performances uh, playing uh, uh, with uh, just two holding midfielders in uh, Rice and Noble or Rice and Suchek and uh, giving us another creative player in front of them as well as the three up top. So Antonio, uh, Bowen and uh, Allaire with yeah. um, four nows behind them and then... Um, you know, Rice and Suchek, for example, in this formula, if we didn't play Noble, behind them, you know. Um, what does everyone Anderson think of Alec? Had a decent game, didn't he? What does everyone think of yeah. Alec? Um, <clears throat> I, I feel similarly to the way I feel about um, Fournals, that, that, that there's a real footballer there. Um, and yeah. uh, that... What happened to him was that he found himself increasingly isolated, both positionally but also in a team that wasn't wasn't doing well. Um, and you 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 saw as the season, the first half of the season went on, because he started with those early goals against Watford, for example. Um, mm. As the season went on, he just you saw his shoulders slump more and more. I think. Yeah. Um, and there, there, in that game against Southampton, just before lockdown, you know, when you had him and Antonio and Bowen play, I thought we looked mustered up front, to be honest. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I've heard, I've really? heard it from more than more than one source. I've heard it from more than one source about Halea that that he is not 
he's not nasty enough. He's not physical enough, and uh, they're trying to they're trying to put that into his game. I think it's interesting that Moyes has brought him on the last couple of games, and he's gone up and he's held the ball up well. He's very very good in the air. In fact, the stats earlier in the season, he was the most dominant player in the in the air in the whole Premier League, right? When he was playing, um, so he does quite well from that perspective. But when you play him up front on his own, he doesn't have the physicality or that nasty streak. He doesn't elbow the defenders. He doesn't do it. You know, I kind of hope in a way that Nolan, no one knows how to um, annoy a defender more than Nolan. I'm hoping that Nolan is trying to help him to develop a little bit of a nasty streak or maybe send him to martial arts training in the, in the summer or something. But I can't say, I, I haven't seen anyone for years who successfully played, you know, a sort of effectively a 4-5-1. Didier Drogba is sort of the definitive player to play on his own up front. Uh, yeah, even, yeah. even Andy Carroll wasn't very good at it. He's no. just tall. He's just tall. Yeah. There's no point winning a header. There's no point winning a header if the yeah. just bounces to one of their central defenders. Winning a no. header up front is only half the fucking battle. If the fucking ball goes out of play, it doesn't matter that you won the header. I've got to say... I just don't know what 4-5-1 is. It was well, shit under Allardyce. <laughs> Shit under Pellegrini, shit under Billich, and just doesn't, it doesn't sort of, there's no point in it unless you have people that, you know, when when Chelsea started playing that system with Didier Drogba, they had players like Solomon Kalou who yeah. stayed close to him and ran past when he won that header. It's like, I just don't know what the idea is of 4 5 1 other than to pack your midfield and make it harder for the other team to sort of pick their way through. And Haller just clearly, you know, his reputation was built on being part of a, a, a front two, Eintracht Frankfurt. So it's like, why get someone to do something that's just not their game? Well, yeah. this, we go back to where we started. Um, it is just a, a, a lack of, it was a total, ta it's a tactical ineptitude, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, that you, you, sort, you sort of can't fathom. And as far as I'm concerned, I, I actually agree with you, Jim. I think there's, I think that Alea can make a positive contribution. I think he needs to sit up all night and watch some um, Dean Ashton videos because yeah. he could teach him how to play alone up front. And it might not be a bad idea to get Dean Ashton down there to actually say, this is what you do, mate. You stick yeah. your backside out. Um, and if you've got the control as I had, you know, on your chest and your head and your thigh, um, you're amazed at how quickly you can bring players, you can bring um, other players into the action. But, hmm. you know, D Dino um, w was a one-off and I think probably one of the best English players in that type that I can remember for a very, very long time. Um, but he, you know, Alaire certainly needs the support. And I just thought, going back as well, picking up on four nows, that the, the one thing that excited me probably, it shows how how bad we've been all season was in that fabulous um, Yarmolenko winning goal against Chelsea. Was yeah. the fact that he stuck it in, in in the onion bag was that I couldn't remember the last time in watching four nows a West Ham player actually running beyond the play. So yeah. that had the ball gone yeah. to the face of the goal, he would have just rolled yeah. it in. And yeah. then I was just sat there on my TV at my, on my couch watching the TV thinking. Fuck me! We've actually got someone running, running beyond the play. Give him yeah. that ball. Absolutely, he sets that going. His little role in that because the, the ball comes out from Rice to Antonio, who chests it off to him, and then he plays the first time ball yeah. into the space in front of Antonio. Yeah, and he's behind the Chelsea defender at that point, and he beats him to the six-yard mm. box, and he's there for the pass, or as you say, if the ball goes across. That that says a lot to me about a player's desire and, 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 and passion, you know, well, to be doing that in the 90th minute of a game. Well, and one I, thing that, you know, one thing that's happened in the last sort of seven games after we sort of uh, wrote off the kind of Wolves and Spurs games, and I think, again, this is a sort of a testament to Moyes, is that I think there's a real spirit in the team as well. I think there's, they really play for each other. You know, yeah. the great thing we said about Antonio is he kind of plays with a smile on his face, but Suchek does as well. Suchek... Loves yeah. playing football. Suchek is often following in. You know, when, when something yeah. happens in the goal mouth, Suchek is sliding in. Uh, Fornaus is sliding in. Fornaus has just, his disposition has improved enormously on, in these last few games. And I would say under David Moyes. And when Moyes first came, 
he's just putting eleven mm. names on a on a team sheet, and people are going, "Oh, Moyes hates Fournals. He doesn't <laughs> Fournals' form has started to really improve." Stupid David Moyes, stupid David Moyes. But what Moyes did was play Lanzini, who he knew for a few games, and then saw, "Hmm, he's not actually playing as well as he did two years ago. This injury is really taking it out of him." So gave this guy four hours ago and then he was ever pleasant because he did a good job. You know. He stuck with him and you know, he's not afraid to do the really ugly jobs for now. Because you know for now he's a good player. He's a talented player. He can be a yeah. playmaker. He can play a beautiful pass. But if Moyes tells him, right, today I want you to stick on the left-hand side, watch the uh, watch the winger, track up and down, help you fall back. He just does that. He just does as he's told and follows instructions. So sometimes after a game, he looks like he's done bugger all. You watch closely. Yeah, yeah. He's been running up and down like a lunatic, right? He's covered every inch of ground. Yeah, so, yeah, and so, they work. They work well, and they they sort of play for each other a bit more now, you know. And I think Alaire would thrive in that if he hasn't been too bruised uh, existentially by his hmm. experience at West Ham under Pellegrini. It would be great to keep him because I think he'd be an yeah. asset. It's quite possible that his brain is just broken by how horrible it's been playing on his own up front. That he might just yeah. want to get out of here, in which case we we need to get someone else. But I would stick with him, you know. Yeah, I, me too. I, me too. I, I, I me wasn't too. including him in my nominal no. list of, of saleable assets. I, I, you know, I, I think that those saleable assets are Anderson, um, Lanzini, Masuaku. Players like that, I think. Yeah. Will Sh- Will Shear. Fredericks, Will Shear to the right club. You know, yeah. uh, you could imagine Will Shear going back to Bournemouth, actually, in the Championship, couldn't you, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah you could. So, you know, it, it, they're not going to bring in massive money, but, they, but, but enough to ensure that we don't have to sell, I think, we don't have to sell our, our major asset. If we sell yeah. Rice... It's Rio Ferdinand all over again, and we have yeah. learned lessons. Yeah. We go back, we'll go down. back beyond that. It's, we can go back to it's Paul Ince all over again, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it would complete, uh, rather unfortunately, that circle that started with Paul Ince being unloaded 30 years ago. Yeah. Then took on, you know, Rio and Frank Jr. and Joe Cole and Carrick and Defoe and Glenn Johnson. And it would actually really sadly complete that cycle, um, which is a very, very um, disappointing and distressing note. But unfortunately, it is the truth. Yes, and, yes. Uh, this has got to stop. And, you know, and it really has to stop because, you know, it's just, it just demonstrates um, we could have achieved so much and we've achieved so little because whoever the executive management has been has simply not been up to the task. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The Cairnses the and Terry Brown, it was the same thing, wasn't oh, it? In a, it yeah. in a sense, you know, the banana skin... The banana skin they put under themselves with, and you've talked about this, Simon, several times, was that, you know, we had that team of very talented players. And what we did was go bargain bucket on the manager. We just went, oh, let's get that bloke who comes into work every day and make him the manager. It was was ridiculous, utterly ridiculous, you know. And, um, yeah, similarly, you know, selling Rio, um, you know, investing, investing in that big stand about five years too late because they didn't really see what this new Premier League was all about. They basically thought, oh, it's just the same as the first division, isn't it? No, it's a completely new beast. Mm. And you don't know. You haven't worked that out. And now, in 2003, we're not in it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we weren't in it anymore with the best squad we'd had in bloody years. Yeah, Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. You know, Let's not go there. It hurts too much. No, it is a bit too painful. Um, so, um, so predictions for the next match. <laughs> we won't get beat. We won't get beat. It's a draw. Who said that, Simon? Yeah. Simon has does predicted a draw. Know, um, does anyone know when the fixtures are due to come? Yeah, out? September. When they come out, it's got to be. It's got to be in the next fortnight. Must be, mustn't it? And yeah, when does the transfer window close? Does anyone know October. that? October. 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 Three weeks. Yeah, three yeah. three so weeks into the season. On Saturday, the twelfth of September. So it runs three weeks beyond that. Uh, so Simon has predicted that we won't be defeated in our first game of the new season. Jim, what's your prediction? Uh, I think we'll win it five nil. <laughs> We're going to play ourselves, Jim. That's Jim. That's just silly. Nobody makes predictions like that. Um, 
My prediction is that our first game of the season will be against a team from north of the border. <laughs> uh, by, by that I mean uh, uh, I mean sort of Watford. Oxfordshire. Yeah. Oxfordshire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be a northern team. Uh, Gary, yeah. what's your prediction? Uh, oh, uh, an easy 2-1 win. It's a win. Your prediction will yeah. win. Uh, yeah. Simon, we won't be de- defeated. Uh, Jim, a rather idiotic 5-0 win. <laughs> <laughs> uh, predicting, uh, and I think we'll play a northern club in our first uh, game of the season. Um, Hopefully not Leeds. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't want to. Be, you don't want to be the first team to play them. No, you don't. No, they'll be on fire, won't they? They'll be buoyant, buoyant. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's probably about it for this uh, stop hammer time. Uh, my name has been Phil Whelans, and uh, uh, we'll see you next season. With me uh, this week have been, as always, Jim Grant, Cheerio. Gary Killington, goodbye, and Simon Pentel. Good night, and come on, West Ham. Come on, you Irons. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got ninety seconds spare in your day. Come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.